welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Is that if we're not careful, we will not allow God's grace to be as huge as God's grace ought to be. Uh, because we'll uh, bring in rules and things and start making it sound like it's all rule-based instead of understanding that if it were not for God's grace, none of us would have any hope. If it wasn't for God's grace and him sending his son to die on the cross for our sins, we would be without any hope and chance whatsoever. So we really need to let grace be large. The first Sunday in this series, we talked about uh, how, how grace is greater than all of our mistakes or all of our sins. And in that message, we kind of focused on salvation. And that's what people tend to only think about when you hear the topic of God's grace. And while that is a major theme in the grace of God, as we read the Bible, we also find other areas that God's grace needs to be active in our lives. And one area that God's grace needs to be active in our lives is us forgiving other people. In order for that to happen, we need to recognize that God's grace is greater than our hurts. Last week, I kind of gave you a couple of illustrations to start with uh, about how we can let clutter build up in our lives. I told you I was guilty for that. Uh, sometimes in my car or whatever, it, it seems like there's some uh, little minion or demon that shows up and puts stuff that, uh, and, I, and I'm saying, how in the world did all that stuff clutter build up uh, there? But, uh, it, but it happens. Uh, and we need to uh, understand that if we carry our hurts and our pain, We're letting emotional clutter build up in our lives, and we need to learn how to declutter our our lives. Uh, The Bible also talks about a root of bitterness. Look here in Hebrews uh, just for a moment, and we've used this kind of as a send-off verse each week in this series. But in, in Hebrews 12, 15, it says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Now, you know, everyone needs God's grace in terms of salvation, but I want you to look at the context of how this is written. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and, and by it, many become defiled. So I think the exact context of this verse in Hebrews is talking about how we need to allow God's grace to help us overcome things in our lives, hurts in our lives, pain in our lives, because if we don't, we're going to allow roots of bitterness to, to spring up. I used an illustration last week about where I'd been uh, spraying some weeds around the house because I recognized it was time to do that. And uh, some of the weeds are tougher than others, like a poison oak. And uh, I, I told you last week, the mimosa tree, I think I could blow it up with dynamite and it would still live. That keeps popping up everywhere. But, uh, but I, would, I would spray those things and then you'd have to come back and give an additional application. That's the way it is with our lives. Sometimes we have to have additional applications of God's grace when it comes to overcoming our hurt and overcoming our pain that we have in our life. Uh, Now, having said that, last week, here's the first point that we talked about uh, last week. Because of God's grace toward us, we must surrender our anger and bitterness to God. And I use the story about Stephen and how they had lied about Stephen and uh, how they had Stephen arrested. And uh, they kind of did this mock trial on him. 
Uh, and then they got so angry at what Stephen was saying to them about how their forefathers had persecuted the prophets and killed them. And now they had done the same thing to Jesus that the crowd rushes upon Stephen, takes him out of the city and stones him to death. Some lessons we quickly learn, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but we, we talked about how many times anger and bitterness would take us to places we didn't think it would take us. Uh, and in Stephen's particular instance, that crowd that became so angry at him, uh, I mean, they're just emotionally even gritting their teeth. They're so angry at him, and they take him and throw him out of the city, and, and then they stone him. So we can have physical things affect our lives when we let anger build up in our lives and bitterness in our lives it affects us physically but it can also affect us criminally the where we do things we shouldn't do in Stephen's life we saw Stephen have the right focus that we ought to have when other people are attacking us and hurting us because he looked above all the pain and he looked to what he saw in heaven and that was Jesus standing there and seeing the glory of God And we need to train ourselves to try and do that. Instead of looking at your hurt, instead of looking at your pain, instead of feeding it like it's a pet in your life, what we need to do is learn to look above the hurt and above the pain and try and see Jesus and understand that it's okay because Jesus is there in heaven and he's standing there for us. He even responded in a great way. Stephen even responded by saying, Lord, forgive them. Right in the midst of when they were stunning him, he practiced Forgiveness. So that's a review of last week. We're going to pick up in our, in our second point this week. Because of God's grace toward us, not only do we need to surrender our hurt and our pain to God, but we also need to do this. We must release the person who hurt us over to God. We need to release whoever it is that hurts you, whoever's caused the emotional pain, whoever's caused the root of bitterness in your life. You need to learn to release that person to God. Before we read the text there in 2 Timothy, I want you to see this explanation. God offers you a grace that's not only greater than anything you have done, in other words, our sins, but God's grace is also greater than anything that has been done to you. Have you ever thought about God's grace in that way? God's grace is for you, for your forgiveness, but God's grace is also large enough to help you get over all the hurts and the junk and how people have hurt you to where you can learn to release that person to God. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 through 18, the apostle Paul, uh, writing to, to young Timothy, who he's mentored in the ministry, writes these words. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. So he's saying, hey, here's someone that really attacked me and and it came out against me. And he says, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself. He's telling Timothy to stay on guard because the way this person operates. For he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now I want to look at these verses for a moment. I'm just going to hit the highlights of this story. And then some verses in Ephesians in a few minutes in our third point. 
because we have something very important we're also going to do today after the invitation. We have some prayer stations set up to allow us to visit each one of these stations and to pray for the Guatemala mission team that's getting ready to leave here at the church at 2.30 in the morning to go to Charlotte to fly out and be in Guatemala for 10 days. So I want you to have ample time for you to walk around all of these stations and pray over the various things that are there. I'll say more about that in just a moment. But as we look at the, at the highlights of uh, that passage of scripture that, that I just read to you, where Paul is writing this kind of warning to Timothy uh, about this coppersmith that it came up against him. I want you to know some applications we can make from that and apply to our own lives that should greatly help us deal with people that have hurt us also, emotionally deal with it. First of all is this, even when people do you great harm, let the Lord repay them, not you. That's what Paul is doing here in that very first statement. He said, this guy by the name of Alexander, he's a coppersmith. He did me great harm, but he said, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Think about how that will help us relationally with people that have hurt us. If you hold it inside of your heart, in your mind, and it's allowing bitterness to creep up in your life, then there's this possibility that you're thinking, I'll get you back. I'm going to pay you back for the way you've treated me. And if that's the attitude that you have, you're going to walk around and you're going to hold that in your gut until the day that you think, all right, I've done something to pay you back. And then the problem is this. If you're a Christian, you get guilty for the way that you acted toward that other person. The best thing we can do when someone hurts us is not for you and I to try and pay them back, but is to have the exact same attitude that Paul has here and for us to tell ourselves, you know what? The Lord's going to take care of this. The, the Lord will repay him. The Lord sees exactly what's taking place and he will repay him. Secondly, when others fail to come to your aid, don't hold it against them. In, in what Paul is saying, he said at my first defense, you know, when Alexander the coppersmith was coming against me and, and, uh, and evidently it sounded like Paul had been arrested and he's having to give a defense of some type. And he said, no one came to my aid, all deserted me. Uh, you, you've had that probably to happen in, in various ways in your life to where you feel like all of a sudden everybody's deserted you. Everyone's turned their back on you. No one came to stand for your defense. You probably felt like that at some time in your life, whether it be at work or in your family, in some other relationships or whatever. There's been some time that you felt like, hey, no one cared enough to come help me. No one cared enough to come and stand with me. But instead of holding that against them and allowing that to be a root of bitterness in your life, we need to have the same attitude that Paul has. He says, may it not be charged against them. He said, Lord, they didn't come and help me. They didn't stand by me in my first defense, but, but God don't hold it against them. May it not be charged against them. And if we'll have that type of forgiveness in our life, that will help us to, to guard uh, against holding bitterness against other people. If we'll just say, God, you know, I'm going to forgive them. God don't hold it against them. Third thing out of this story about uh, Paul, he writes to young Timothy is this. We need to remember that the Lord stands with us. The Lord stands with you and strengthens you. Here's what Paul said. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. And then later on in the text, he says, so I was rescued from 
the lion's mouth. As I read that, I wonder if there's some story. You, you recognize we don't get the full story about everyone, uh, including Paul in the Bible, everything they faced. I wonder if there's some literal time that he faced a, a, a lion's mouth, kind of like Daniel in the lion's den, and God somehow delivered him from that. But, but what he was saying there is this. So he, he's saying, look, yes, this Alexander the coppersmith came against me, but he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And that needs to be where we put our hope. That needs to be where we lean. When other people come against us, it is that we're trusting as believers. If you know Christ is your Savior, you're trusting that God is standing with you in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the attacks, in the midst of all the, 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 the weeds of bitterness that want to try and crop up because of the way someone ha- has treated you. We also need to remember this, especially this. We need to realize that you have, that we have, a higher purpose to stay, to stay focused upon. Look what Paul wrote next. So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Can I put that in a perspective for you? I think based upon the context of what Paul is saying in these verses. More or less, Paul is saying this. Yes, Alexander the coppersmith came against me. Yes, some other people didn't show up to help me, but God strengthened me. And and here's why Paul is saying this, he's saying, I have something much more important to do, something much more important to be focused upon than sitting around in my own pain and in my own bitterness. He's saying that I have a higher calling. Paul is saying so that the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Apply that to your life just for a minute. You see, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, the Great Commission's been given not just to preachers, not just to evangelists, but to everyone that knows Christ as their Savior. We're expected to share our faith and to share the gospel with others. But instead of doing that, if someone hurts our feelings and we're sitting around all bitter and all upset over here to ourselves because someone has hurt us, then doing so is going to hinder the calling that God's placed upon our lives to be representing the gospel message. We're not going to be very good representations of the gospel of Christ if we're sitting around stoked up and angry and bitter because of the way someone else has treated us. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We talked about that last week. It will help us to move forward in our lives. It will help us to be beneficial Christians to a lost and dying world that we live in. If we would understand, I don't have time and you don't have time to sit around with bitterness and anger in your life because you've been called to a higher purpose. You've been called to share the gospel with people around you. Last thing I want you to notice this. God has all eternity to make up for the hurts of this life. Paul ended that little section of scripture we're looking at this morning by saying this. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see that? No matter what you face in this life, 
No matter how many times people attack you and hurt you and you feel like you've got all this emotional clutter you're allowing to build up in your life, instead of allowing it to become a root of bitterness in your life, you need to learn to turn loose of it and look beyond this life. If you live to be 110 years old, that's just a little bit in light of eternity. Amen? God has all eternity. If you know Christ is your Savior, once you go into his presence, he has all of eternity to make up from, for all of the pain and all of the hurt and all the attacks and everything that you face negative in your life. God has all eternity to make up for that. So quit worrying about the here and now so much and look forward to one day that he'll take care of all of it and all of that pain will be completely gone. Does that make sense to you? Wouldn't that be a better way to live our lives than to walk around with anger and bitterness stoved up inside of us? Peter writes about Jesus on the way to the cross, giving us an example of how we ought to be when we're attacked by other people. Peter writes these words, for to this you've been called. And he's talking to believers in Asia Minor that were suffering in a terrible way. And he says this, for this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you. He's reminding us, hey, you might be in personal pain yourself. You might not like the lot of life that you have right now, but you need to remember something. God in the flesh, Jesus, the sinless son of God, he also suffered. So who are we to delude ourselves into believing we're not going to suffer and we're not going to face attacks and pain? He also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. Now, here's the example. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him, talking about the father who judges righteously. More or less, here's what Peter is saying. When Jesus was on the way to the cross and Jesus was being so abused and, and, and beaten and spit upon and ridiculed by all the crowd, Jesus didn't retaliate. Jesus didn't stop and say anything back to them. Jesus didn't judge them in that moment, although he being God in the flesh had the ability to judge them, but he didn't. See, our problem is this. We think we can judge others, but we don't have the ability to judge others. I don't know the full story. Jesus knew the full story because he was God in the flesh. So that even adds more strength to what I'm about to tell you. Jesus didn't retaliate, and here's why. He had his face going toward the cross. He understood that's the ultimate call that God had upon his life in this world was to go to the cross and die on the cross and make atonement for our sins. Jesus didn't have time to retaliate. He's going to the cross to be our ultimate once and for all sacrifice on the cross. So instead of retaliating, here's what he did. He commended, he trusted it, depending on the translation that you're looking at. He, he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. In other words, everything that was done against him, God would judge correctly out in the future. And that ought to be the mentality that we have. I can't deal with it fully. You can't deal with it fully. So why not just turn loose of it and let God deal with it instead of us trying to retaliate and hold bitterness in our lives. 
I've told some people in counseling before, when they struggle with recurring things in their lives coming up, especially bitterness and, and anger and unforgiveness, I've told people before, get you a little shoebox or a big shoebox or, or a great big box, you know, however much junk you've got in your life, and tape it shut and cut a slot in the top of it and write on the outside of it, God's box. And every time that you're dealing with some type of pain, something that you're really wrestling with, take you a piece of paper, write it out, whatever it is, pray over it, and then go give it to God and stick it in the box. Oh, you can do that without the box, but sometimes if you have a little physical action to go along with what you're doing spiritually, it adds a little bit of teeth to it, a little bit more reality to it, to where you are saying, I gave that to God. Then the next time that thing crops up in your mind, tell yourself, hey, no, I've already given that to God. I'm not going to bring it back up. I'm not going to reach in the box and pull it out and grovel over it and and, and be angry about it. I've already given that to God and I'm going to leave it there with him. Those are some lessons that we need to learn that that can help us when we're dealing with other people having attacked us. We need to release the person who's hurt us over to God. We need to give them our anger, our pain, our bitterness. That was our first point. But we need to release that person over to God. Third thing in, in this message, the third point in this message that can help us deal with our anger and our pain and help us understand that God's grace is greater than all of our hurts is this because of God's grace toward us we must practice grace and forgiveness toward others I've already mentioned this last week grace is a two-way street the Bible nowhere teaches that we can expect God's grace and us never give grace to someone else If we've experienced the grace of God, we need to be willing to practice that grace and forgiveness toward others. Look what Paul writes here in Ephesians 4, just for a moment. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, do an honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Once again, I'll give you some quick thoughts out of this passage so we'll have time to, to pray for our mission team this morning. Here's quick thought number one. We need to remember that we're all connected together. He said, for we're members of one another. The Bible teaches, especially as believers, we're all part of the body of Christ and he's the head. That means we ought to treat each other correctly. I typically don't go around stabbing myself in the hand or in the foot because it's going to hurt. Sometimes I will accidentally stump my toe. I did it yesterday. 
My son left his big pedal board for his guitar out in our basement where he'll come home from playing at campus church up at Western Carolina and leave it there. And uh, while I was rushing back and forth, getting ready to uh, pack up, we're getting ready to go on vacation and getting ready to go on vacation and everything. And I, and I hit that thing full steam ahead. Uh, God was gracious. I did not curse or anything like that. But we don't intentionally do things like that to ourselves, to parts of our body. We we need to remember that we're part of the same body as believers. We're connected together. That's why we need to treat each other right. We don't need to let corrupt communication come out of our mouths. We don't need to be telling lies to our neighbors and things that he addressed right before this, this passage. Don't carry anger over to future days. He said, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't allow leisure to build up. Don't carry the junk from the day over to tomorrow and the next week and the, and the year after that where you're building up unforgiveness in, in your life. I met people before in my life that will hold on to things for 10 years. And some of them claim to know Christ as their Savior. And I, I'm sorry, I wrestled with that a little bit. How can you let somebody that said something a little bit negative to you 10 years ago, maybe at work or in a store or whatever it might be, and, and you plant that in there and you write it down on your ledger sheet and you never ever turn loose of it. See, the problem with that is this. The next day you add more to it. Next week you add more to the ledger. And all of a sudden, you've built up a huge amount of bitterness in your life because you're carrying something from one day to the next day to the next day. When the Bible tells us here, be angry and don't sin. See, you can't help being made angry sometimes. Some people just make you angry. Amen. Be honest. Huh? Be honest. Sometimes people just make you angry. That's real life and we're not perfect. Amen. Ourselves. But but it says... Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with it in that day. Man, especially people close to you. I've messed this up before. <laughs> there have been times that maybe something happened with Becky and I and, uh, and everything. And, and maybe I'm a little bit upset by it. Or maybe she's a little bit upset by it. And, and, and if you go to bed and you don't deal with it, you're laying in bed fuming kind of about what's happened. <laughs> and then you carry that over into the next day. When if you would deal with it in that moment and say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. Or offer forgiveness whether the other person says they're sorry. And turn loose of it. Don't be carrying it over to where it builds up in in, in your life. We also need to apply this from this passage of Scripture. Failing to practice grace and forgiveness toward others gives opportunity to Satan. He says, and give no opportunity to the devil. And that's really what you're doing if you're not dealing with stuff day in and day out. If you're carrying it over and carrying it over and carrying it over, you're giving an opportunity to the devil. Look what the, the phrase there, depending on your translation, opportunity, some translations say foothold. Here's what it means. A spot of occupancy, specifically a scabbard that holds a weapon, a sword. The root word in the Greek refers to a space or a territory. In other words, if we're harboring ill will, if we're carrying around unforgiveness in our lives, if we're carrying around anger in our lives, what we're doing is giving Satan a spot of occupancy in our hearts and in our minds. 
I don't have a, an, an official necessarily sword, but, but I do have a, what would be called a scabbard up here. That, that's not really intimidating too much, is it? I mean, I might could swing it hard enough to smack some of you and you wouldn't like it very much if I did that, but, but that's not necessarily intimidating. If someone pulls out a scabbard, you're not necessarily going to run the other way if you see it's empty. But when you and I are harboring unforgiveness in our lives and, and consider this scabbard being like our lives, what we do is this. We allow Satan, because of the bitterness that we're holding in our lives, we allow Satan to take our lives right here and we're allowing him to come over and put a weapon, put a weapon inside this scabbard that he can use as attacks against our life and attacks against others. Does that make sense? That's why we need to be careful and don't give opportunity to Satan because he'll take that spot, that territory that you give him. It's really a military term. It's a term that was used in the Greek to talk about setting up a military camp to carry out an attack. And that's what we allow Satan to do in our lives. When we hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, we're allowing him to set up a base of operations in our hearts to carry out his work. And guys, as Christians, that shouldn't be what we're about. We should be redeemed from that and apply forgiveness toward others. Treating others right will avoid situations that require forgiveness to start with. He says, let the thief steal no longer, but rather let him labor, do an honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Hey, if we would just treat other people right, that would help protect us from more and more and more and more pent up need for forgiveness in our lives. We need to also understand this as we, as we look at this, uh, at this passage of scripture there in, in Ephesians. We need to speak words that build up and give grace to all that hear. We need to speak the right kind of words that give grace to all that hear. Remember last week I, I talked about how we need to be careful about how we respond because other people are listening. Uh, I needed to have read my sermon again Friday <laughs> because I uh, had a situation arise Friday to where uh, we're trying to get ready to, to leave, as I said, for vacation. Bethany, my middle child, Bethany uh, works for uh, Charlotte Ear, I Nose and Throat. She lives near the edge of Hickory, but she drives back and forth. And because of her hours, she can't hardly get by to get her license tag renewed. So I was going to go pay her taxes and pick her tag up for her. Went by Thursday night. She gave me what she thought was for her tag. I look at it the next morning and I find out it's not for her tag. It's for my Indian motorcycle. And for some reason, they had mailed it to her. And my Indian motorcycle was running out 630 <laughs> on, on June the, the 30th. So now I'm having to call the DMV and find out why in the world did you mail it down there? I'm trying to find out what I need to do about Bethany's. I'm having to call the tax office to try and get things straightened out. After I talk to the DMV, 
And I plan on getting up early and getting down to the license office to where I could get that all taken care of. Instead, because of all that stuff, the way it worked out, I wind up showing up at the license office, the DMV office at 1230. <laughs> While everybody else is on lunch, on the 14th of the month, the 15th was about to roll around where the fees would hit. And I walk in the door and I just take my phone, make a picture, send it to my wife to let her know why I'm not going to be there for a while. That affected my psychiatric state (laughs) and my anger for a good part of that day. And I was probably fuming as I'm walking around the house trying to get things done. Instead of that, we need to learn not to say things, not to, I wasn't saying anything wrong, but I was just, I was angry. Instead of letting any type of corrupt communication come out of our lives, we, we need to say that what's good, something that will build people up, not tear people down. That it might give grace to those who hear it. That they might, through you and what you're saying, feel the unmerited favor of God. It's what grace means in their life. Next, we need to avoid grieving the Holy Spirit with wrong attitudes and actions. He, he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you're sealed the day of redemption as believers. We don't need to be grieving the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Instead of carrying it around, we need to turn loose of it because when we nurture that stuff in our lives, it's grieving God's Spirit that lives inside of us as believers. And lastly, we need to learn to forgive others as God forgave us. Paul writes these words, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Some of you have heard me talk about that before. Because years ago, after I was called in the ministry, I was reading through Ephesians and I read that. And I thought, oh, good night. You're kidding me. I'm supposed to forgive others to the same degree that God forgave me for Christ's sake. In other words, I need to stop and think about everything that God has forgiven me for the sake of Jesus. And and guys, maybe you're better than I was, but I tell you, he forgave me of a ton of stuff. How about you? And we need to practice that same degree of forgiveness toward others. The same degree of forgiveness that he gave us, we need to practice toward others. Look at this application. The Bible says we're to forgive as God forgave us. When God forgave us, he didn't say, I forgive you, but we can no longer have a relationship. I mean, I won't hold your sins against you, but we're not going to have anything to do with each other. You go your way and I'll go mine. Is that what God did with us when he forgave us? No, instead, God's forgiveness leads us to reconciliation in an ongoing relationship in spite of our sins. So the application for us today is this. You've forgiven someone and said, I forgive you, but I don't never want to see your face again. Doesn't fit the scenario here. We're to forgive others. We're to seek reconciliation. And we're to find ways to carry on a relationship with other people, even when they've hurt us. Instead of acting like we don't want to have anything to do with them. 
Can I give you a tip on maybe how to do that? I don't have the scriptures on the, on the screen, but I'll give you a little quick tip. The Bible tells us we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Whoever hurts you, their flesh and blood. Put their personality aside, get angry at the principalities and the powers behind the scene that cause them to act the way they acted. That way you have a place to vent your anger. You can vent your anger against the devil and preserve the relationship with that person. Does that make sense? A little mind game, you can just kind of play with yourself. So who is it you need to reconcile with? And who is it that you need to forgive? What, what relationship do you need to restore in your own life? I'm going to close by telling you a story. The story is about a, a black lady by the name of Ruby Bridges. You ever heard of her before, anybody? Ruby Bridges was a young African-American girl in 1960 who is required by a federal judge to attend an all-white school in Louisiana. She was the first African-American child to attend an all-white school. She was ordered to go to the first grade at William France Elementary School. Her parents had been taking her to church, the whole family to church, because they wanted her to grow up with the right attitude and knowing Christ as her Savior and trying to apply the things of the Bible. On the first day she shows up to go to school, there are angry crowds all over the place, shouting obscenities and, and just being mean and angry toward her. Federal marshals had been assigned armed to protect her just in case as they were taking her in to the school. The Louisiana State Police and the local police department there in New Orleans refused to help. They wouldn't provide any protection for her whatsoever. So the federal marshals had to do that. And they would help protect her on the way to school every day. She went to this all-white school and went up going into a classroom full of desks. But she was the only one sitting there because all of the white parents kept their children at home. And there's one teacher that stayed there and faithfully taught her. Her name was Mrs. Henry. And she was dumbfounded at the politeness that Ruby Bridges had after seeing all the ways that she was treated. One day, her teacher, Miss Henry, was watching out the window as Ruby was on the way to school. And something happened different that day. She saw Ruby start and she thought she was talking to the angry crowd that was yelling at her. So she stopped and looked like she was talking to them for a few minutes. She went into school and the teacher started asking her, why did you stop and talk to that angry crowd? What were you saying? And, and she said, I, I, I didn't talk to them. And she said, well, I saw your lips moving. I saw you were talking to them. And she said, no, I stopped and I was praying for them. She said, normally I would pray before I would get that far, before I walked through the crowd, but I forgot that morning and I felt like I needed to stop and pray. After school was over with that day, she quickly made her way with the marshals through the crowd. And after they got beyond the crowd, she stopped and prayed these words. Please, God, try to forgive these people. Because even if they say those bad things, they don't know what they're doing. So you can forgive them just like you did those folks a long time ago when they said terrible things about you. It sounds like she got it when her parents took her to church. And she stopped and prayed for this angry crowd. The next year, the mob went away. 
some of the kids started coming back. And she wound up graduating that elementary school and also wound up graduating from high school. And she clearly practiced forgiveness. So once again, who is it that you need to forgive? What hurt and anger do you have in your life that you need to surrender to God? Who is it that's hurt you that you need to release to God and you quit trying to deal with it yourself? Because God's given you his grace. Who is it that you need to give his grace to? Let's pray. Father, help us this morning to be honest and ask you to search our hearts by your spirit. Lord, there's unforgiveness and bitterness in our lives. Father, we pray. We pray, Father, that you would help us to deal with that. Lord, help us to surrender our hurts and our pains to you. Help us to release those that have hurt us to you instead of us trying to repay them in any way whatsoever. Help us to recognize and remember you've forgiven us. You've given us your grace and we need to forgive others to the same degree that you've forgiven us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to make a slight change in what I told you earlier, uh, David. During the invitation, kind of help us with time because we've got the next service coming around in just a moment. During the invitation, I will be here at the front. And if you need to talk to someone, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, and, uh, and you need to find out more about what that means and how you can do that, I'll be here at the front. If you need to come and pray... And say, God, I'm giving this to you. Or God, I'm giving this person to you. Or God, I'm, help me to practice grace toward these people because you practice grace toward me. Then we'll invite you to do that. But I also want to go ahead and turn you loose to go and visit these prayer stations during the invitation. If you need to come here, come here. But visit each of the stations. Station number one, you'll see the people that are going on the mission trip. And there's three posters on the wall. They're, they all represent the same thing. You can just go by there and pray for the people quickly. And then come up here to the next station, a station number two. In station number two, you'll be praying for the people in the villages there in Guatemala. Over here at this station, you'll be praying for the salvations of people there to take place over the next 10 days as they minister to the people there. And then the last station on the back wall represents the work that will be done there in those villages and go by and pray there please stand during this song God speaks to your heart if you need to come here but please visit our, our prayer stations thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church we pray that it has ministered to you for more information about our location service times or other sermon podcasts please visit us online at day3church.org Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.